Hi, you're listening to An Open Dialogue, and I am Violet Howe, and my guest today is Caitlin Barnaby. Say hello, Caitlin. Hi. Hi. Um, Caitlin has a, you have, you have a bachelor's degree in art history, is that correct? Yes. I don't want to misspeak. And then you're also pursuing your master's degree in art history, correct? Yes. And um, Caitlin is um, currently attending the Savannah College of Art and Design, um, commonly known as SCAD. And so um, Caitlin and I had, had been having a conversation about art recently, and I asked if she would please come on to an open dialogue and discuss art with me, because I do think there are just um, some fascinating things to discuss around art. And when I say art, I'm saying art in general, like, you know, music and paintings and books and pottery and sculpture and just all things art. So why do you feel like, um, like, it seems like there's been a lot of headlines recently with art and with different things happening with art. Why do you think art is important? Oh, big question. Um, So I think art is important because it tells a cultural history of society and it tells future generations um what was going on why people were reacting a certain way what kind of political intentions are happening it also talks about you know in um like the past it talks about you know what cultures are no longer here and it talks about um why why i mean it's like i think the most important yeah why it's important to me is it's it tells the history it tells everything that you need to know about people i think it's i it's interesting like we i was just at epcot the other night celebrating Mm. the food and wine festival and um i talked my night into going through spaceship earth with me um because it's one of my favorite rides because hello history i love history yeah and uh, it's funny because in the very beginning it talks about that for so many years our history was oral like we passed it down we told stories to people absolutely and then eventually they came up with a way to you know to paint on cave walls and then they would move because they were nomadic people but their story was left behind for other people to set you know to see and then eventually obviously we came up with paper and then you know alphabets and and um, books and newspapers things like that but I think it's interesting like when we study um, ancient cultures or we find archaeo you know archaeological sites that even if there are written records that there's so much about the art of that time like if we find paintings or like in in um in Pompeii like the paintings on the walls mm-hmm. you know would, would tell things um that that it's the paintings the sculptures the pottery the designs on the pottery things like that that tell us more about their life than what may be in the written record of their history absolutely yeah it's um it's really fascinating especially you know even specific to Pompeii, you know, when they uncover all the Roman mosaics and they uncover, you know, just astounding, you know, depictions of murals and things like that, you know, that are still intact. And it's, 
you know, it tells you what kind of materials they were using, what kind of in level of intelligence that they had, you know, so, so much so that you can see that their appreciation for whatever you're discovering. You know, it's not just, oh, hey, look, we're going to have this on the wall, you know, as, you know, now we decorate our houses with art and, you know, whatever, you know, there were purposes behind those things. There was a lot right. of propaganda behind those things. Right. You know, and it's, it, you could, it's really cool to be able to discover, you know, that we aren't the most intelligent as we are now, you know? Well, and I think too, like even, even things with social classes, you know, you could tell like pottery that was designed for someone that was in the, you know, the upper echelon was more ornate or had, you know, uh, uh, more decorations or something. And then you look Absolutely. at, you know, the pottery that's more plain. So you, you look at, there's so many things that we can learn from sculptures, from paintings, from these things. Um, you know, because we mentioned Pompeii, like I was fascinated, like in the, in the cobblestone streets of Pompeii, like the, there's like genitalia, like pointing towards yeah. brothels and, and there's in the brothels, like the pictures depicting kind of like what you could get almost like an extra value menu. And then like in the, in the baths, there's, you know, pictures like, okay, this is where the men would be. This is where the women would be. So it, it's so funny how we use art almost as like decoration or almost as something that's an extravagance. Um, whereas like you're saying, the art that we uncover from those times served a purpose. It, it illustrated a point or it told, you know, it told a purpose of a room or of a place or it told their history. So um, it's interesting how art, do you think in some ways has become devalued like that because it's more um, an ornament rather than a useful tool? Um, to some extent, I think yes. Um, I think that the uh, the access to art has become so prominent that you can get prints and, you know, just copies of things for right. nothing, you know, right. and for pennies even. You can go online and get them for like a dollar and, then, you know, whatever, or even print them out yourself, you know, and people I think... Can people can download them without permission. <laughs> right, you know, there's no copyright <laughs> right. on it anymore. Um, right. And I think that that, I think it absolutely devalues art, um, but I don't think that it takes away from the value of art, if that makes sense, you know? Right, It's like, right. it's clearly still important. It's clearly still that image of you know, some stone mosaic or whatever still holds the importance to it, um, especially to somebody who's even just downloading it because clearly they want it. You know, they, they need to have that because that's what they want to have on their wall for whatever reason, you know, and I think that that is so it devalues, like, I think the, um, like the, the amount of, money like artists can get from it but I don't think that it like devalues the importance if that makes sense well and I think it's just uh I, I'm obviously being an artist um I feel like art has great value but I feel like it's it's a different use now like rather than it being essential for communicating a message or for communicating a history or for defining you know the rules of the culture um, I, I think art has become more of almost like a therapy thing that it's, you know, whether that's books, whether that's music, whether that's paintings or sculpture, um, museums, that these are things that, that people need in their life. Um, 
you know, I know like school programs, you know, statistics show that if, if they pull the art programs out of school, some, some people looked at it and said, okay, we just need math, you know, we need mathematics, we need science, and we need reading, basically. And they started pulling out band classes and art classes and things like that and, and kind of looking at them as not being uh, an essential part of the curriculum and I you know statistics show that performance in those schools goes down that behavioral problems go up like art is something that's needed it's something that that we as human beings need in our lives absolutely yeah I mean the you know funds have been cut in more than 80 percent of U.S. schools districts since like 2008 you know and it's like I mean the amount of like, I don't know, it's like when you're, it's like there's a book that's out, it's called Your Brain on Music, um, and it's um, how you learn music, you know, based off of, you know, all of the scales and everything is done and how that excels your level of intelligence in math and science and all of these things, you know, so it's like it, taking away music and art and all of these things, you know, it's like, that doesn't make sense because we're almost dumbing ourselves down. Right. You right. Know? Yeah. And so it's like, it's, it's such a, it's such a, like, um, like a topic that's like so interlaced with culture, you know, of, you know, how the, the music that we listened to when we were raised, you know, based like completely like solidifies our style and our tastes and all of these things, you know, but so does the art that you surround yourself with, you know, if, if you all of a sudden, you know, for the first time ever in your whole life, see something that, you know, you didn't even know existed. Like if you could see Da Vinci's Starry Night, you know, or, you know, Van Gogh, Starry Night, sorry. Right. Um, like, if you, you know, if seeing that in person for the first time, when I saw that, I cr- almost cried. It was so beautiful, you know, and it was like, how, like, and every single picture that you've ever seen in your whole life looks nothing like it because right. it's so right. stunning, you know, and it's or like. Or water lilies. If you see water exactly. lilies in Paris with the, it's, I mean, you know, we, we see like a print of it or we see it on an umbrella and we think right. it's just a painting. And when you go and see it as he meant for it to be presented and it's these huge walls, like these yeah, huge oval huge. shaped rooms where the entire painting surrounds you and you become part of the garden. You're actually inside the garden at different lighting, different time of the day with, you know, different, um, you know, different things happening with colors. And it's, it's amazing the experience that you can have quote unquote, just looking at a piece of art. Right. Um, You know, and I think that, you know, for kids, you know, to not, you know, be exposed to things like that, you know, it's like, you know, I mentioned, I mentioned art or musicians or even actors who are, you know, incredible in their talent. Um, And people today, they have no idea what you're talking about, you know, and it's like, and unless you're specifically studying that, you have no concept of it. And I think that that's tragic almost. Well, I think too, we've, as a society, um, and I and I would be interested to hear from people in other countries if it is predominantly the United States that that has kind of you know pulled away from art um, as a viable option, or if it's something that's happening globally. But I feel like when we do that, especially in the school system, I yeah. feel like we shut down some people's paths for success because not everyone is going to be a star athlete. Not everyone is going to be great in mathematics or great in science. Not everyone is going to do well with testing or with academics. And so when we don't give an avenue for someone to flourish and blossom as an artist or as a writer or as an actor or as a musician, then I feel like we're really 
kind of cutting off um, some people's path to success. We're cutting off some people's um, viable way of expressing themselves and becoming, you know, becoming themselves fully. Absolutely. No, I agree with that completely. That I think it creates an alternative future almost for for people. I know that it did for me. You know, when I actually, when I was graduating high school, I wanted to go into physics, you know, and it was like super bizarre, you know, the fact that all of a sudden I have a degree in art history and, you know, my dad even talks to me now and he's like, why did you, why did you change that? And I'm like, I don't know. I just, it spoke to me more than the science of it all, you know, and it's like, it's, um, there's, there's a deeper level of passion that people exhibit when, when you start learning it, you know, and it starts becoming part of not necessarily of your life, but a bit about who you are. Right. Well, I feel like, I feel like for a lot of people, they don't see it as a valid career option. Absolutely. So it's not necessarily yeah. that they mind you being a musician or an artist or a writer, but you're supposed to do that in your spare time as a hobby because it's not a valid career choice for many people. I know, like, I have, for as long as I can remember, I wanted to be an actress and I wanted to be a writer mm-hmm. um, and a talk show host. <laughs> um, I, well, you're sort of um, kind of that now. Look at you. I know. I'm kind of doing all three. I... I um, I have like, you know, my third grade diary, I, my goal for the summer was to write a book and get a tan. Um, my, you know, I have cassette Goals. tapes, <laughs> right. I have cassette tapes of, yeah, it was the seventies. Getting a tan was a goal every summer. Um, I have cassette tapes of me at, I don't know, probably age eight or nine where I was the talk show host. I was also the actress who was being interviewed and I was the singer who came on, you know, at the end to sing the song on the show. And I was the announcer. (laughs) So it's something that I always wanted to do. However, my parents in a, in a small town environment in Mississippi where the scope of the jobs that you can get is very limited, Mm -hmm. didn't see any of those career options as something that was like a I don't want to say that they didn't see it as viable, but it definitely wasn't something they encouraged me to pursue. It was more kind of like, those aren't real jobs and you need to, you know, to do something more serious, especially when I got to college. Like I really wanted to, to major in drama. And I remember there being a lot of drama at home about that, not really being a good use of, of college. Um, And I feel like in some ways, I mean, obviously I understand that because uh, it is hard to make a living as, as any form of artist, But I also feel like in doing that, we're not giving it the value that it deserves in our society, in our culture, like how important it is that we have artists and that those artists be encouraged to produce art. Because if not, if we kind of like take that path away and we also continue to devalue their product so that they can no longer have a viable career being artists, Mm -hmm. then at some point do we lose art? At some point do we just not have music and books and plays and movies and and sculptures and paintings like do we just you know cease to have those i don't think so i don't think that art music books reading bookstores libraries i don't think that those things will ever go away you know it's like it's despite technology and the advances in technology and the access to art and all of these things and even bootlegging them and whatever i think that there's still, there's still a desire for it. There's still something that everybody kind of craves, you know, in this level of creativity that all of that they all of that produces, you know. And I don't think that there's, I don't think that there's any 
limit to how creative people can be. I know that I, I too was stifled uh, against, you know, becoming an artist. And, you know, so it was rich, the fact that I got a degree in art history, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because, you know, it was it's it like was, the ultimate workaround. <laughs> right. You know, it's like, well, it's kind of sort of, um, you know, and the I think the value really comes in where like people give it, you know, it's like, I, th I don't know. It's like, I don't think it could ever go away because of the amount of because the amount of stories that something tells, you know, whether it's music, movies, books, art, you know, whether it's something, sidewalk art, even just there for a minute, you know, that story gets told, oh, I was walking down the street and I saw the sidewalk artist and it was so cool and it looked like this, you know, and you could paint that picture with words, you know, and it's like, and you could tell that story and that artist kind of gets a little bit extra validity behind it because it was so cool. It was moving. It was passionate. It was everything that you want art to be and that had an impact even just for a blip you know and that oral history then produces that carry on right well i i do feel like art will still exist only because i think as artists people have to create art it's part of them it's part of yeah. what they have to do self-expression self-therapy um you know self-soothing like all those different things like it, it it has to be created and there's many 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 people who would continue to write who would continue to compose who would continue to paint and sculpt and um act and do all those things even though they don't get paid for it i mean community theaters all over the place like there's mm -hmm. you know people who are playing in in you know coffee bars things like that but i do worry that especially in our digital age where it's so easy to stream um, music, so easy to stream movies, so easy to like, you know, plug in your stick that, that kind of jailbreaks everything. It's so easy to pirate books um, that I worry that we are devaluing it to a point that it makes it harder and harder for people to have it as a career. And like, I know a lot of, of readers who will download books from from like a website where they can get mm -hmm. it for free. Mm -hmm. They're not in any way purposely sliding the author. They're not in any way whatsoever trying to cheat the author. Yeah. Right. They're not trying to cheat the author. But they're not thinking about the fact that there's a lot of time that goes into that book. There's a lot of money and editing and proofreading and cover design and marketing and all those other things that go into that book that for that I mean, obviously, sometimes an author or an artist or a musician will will run some type of promotion where they give away their work or where they, they do a sale or they do something for free. But when it's these websites that you can get it free all the time, they're not compensating the, the, the artist. And that it is something that concerns me just in the long term of like, okay, if we make it harder and harder and harder for people to produce art as a career, then are we, you know, restifling art? So, um, I think, well, I, I, I can see that to an extent. Um, sure. You know, there, there is a, almost like an oppression on artists, um, because of all of those things. Um, but the amount of impact that it has on a person's life, I think kind of counter counteracts that a little bit. There's a Japanese artist. Um, her name is Yayoi Kusakusa. Kusamo, I think, um, and she does these really elaborate, like kind of avant-garde rooms, and she like she puts them all in mirrors, and she puts all these dots, and 
of paint and lines everywhere so it's like just kind of an infinity room almost um if you saw the picture i know that you would recognize it because she's so recognizable um right and she um i think she developed um alzheimer's or dementia or something like that um i don't know it right now off the top of my head but she developed some sort of mental illness um as she got older because right now she's 89 years old um and she doesn't forget when she's creating art you know and she doesn't have any episodes when she's creating and she doesn't have any she doesn't have any barriers between her and the art that right. kind of limit her life, you know, and it's like, the, it's the most amazing thing. And so they just let her create all the time because then she can, you know, be present for her life at 89 years old, you know, and it's like, and I think that that's the most amazing thing because it became like an art therapy and instead of her just being passionate about it and she's been doing it her whole life, you know, so it's like, it became so much more. Well, and I know I've seen several, um, I've seen several people, the one that, that comes to mind, um, I guess that's, that's kind of the most widely spread as um, the song of Minute Man. Have you ever heard of him or seen his videos Mm-mm, on no. Facebook? Uh, it, it's, it's a gentleman who has Alzheimer's and, um, or dementia and his son realized that like his, his father is saying his whole life, his father has an incredible voice and he's saying his whole life. And he realized like his father could sing an entire song and not forget a single lyric. You know, there were so many other wow. things that he, that he doesn't remember. He doesn't remember his son or he doesn't remember his, you know, his wife, or he doesn't remember simple, you know, day-to-day tasks that he's always learned how to do, but he could recall all these songs. And one of the things that his son discovered is while he was singing, it was his father, his father was there. And so, and so singing with his father became a, became a way that he could connect to him because while he was singing, kind of like what you're saying with her art, it would kind of like activate a different part of his brain that like, then then he could access memories and then he was more himself and his, you know, his personality was back to being himself. Um, And so it's fascinating what art is able to do or what's, you know, what it's capable of doing. Um, I read stories about people who have some type of traumatic brain injury and after that brain injury, suddenly they're like able to, you know, to play the piano or they're able to paint or they're yeah. able to, you know, that things happen. Yeah, you hear that stuff all the time that happens. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's fascinating to me, like the connection that art has with our brain, with our body, with our spirit. Like it's not just uh, an extravagance. It's not just something that's extra or a hobby. I, I think it's, it's a very powerful part of us and, and who we are and part of our identity. Um, so talking about the digital part, and we talked about how our digital um, landscape now in some ways devalues art. It's, it definitely in some ways makes it more accessible definitely. to everyone, but then it also devalues it. What do you think it does as far as future because I know I was having a conversation. There's an author named um, Janet Franks Little, and she has um, she has a series of letters that were her from her husband's parents during World War II, and they're these beautiful um, handwritten letters. And you know, in those handwritten letters, there's this correspondence back and forth of not only what was going on with him in battle, but what was going on with her at home, what was happening with the family, things that were popular, things that, you know, passages, like different things. And I, and I feel like in, in our day now, 
you know, we communicate via text, we communicate via Snapchat where it disappears, we communicate via Twitter where it's, you know, these little short characters. Mm -hmm. What happens to that, like we no longer have that, um, we've almost lost like a written record in some ways, even though we have all this, you know, time stamp and digital stamp and footprint of everything we're also losing pieces of that. So, so what do you think happens in the future? How do we, how do people in the future look back? Like we look back now and we study the pottery, we study the, you know, the, the paintings, we study the letters, things like that. Mm -hmm. What will those people look back at? And, and what will our art be that we're leaving behind for them to study? Mm. I think. Oh, did I stump you? I would love to stump you. That one's good. I'm like, that one's good. I like it. Um, I think that future generations looking back on this time now of all the things that have been deleted, I think, I think that plays to our detriment. Um, definitely because there are so many things that are going on that are so important and exciting and, you know, and even when somebody creates something and they're like, Hey, look, and it's gone. And then, you know, they delete it or whatever it is, you know, it's like, and it's, it's just done. Right. And I think I think future generations will still be able to recall that. I think because technology gets better, but I but America specifically because I live here and I have never traveled outside of the country really to my own detriment um is that I think we circle back through realism always. You know, throughout all of American history, there's always like this core piece of realism that always kind of goes back. And it's kind of like a nostalgia kind of a thing, too. So it's like it always like kind of we just push that button a little bit every single like few generations, you know, because because I think that bubble expands too far in the digital concept, you know. And so art goes back to being tactile books become more prevalent music has you know vinyl industry now has become more right vinyls coming back right you know because it's the tactile experience you know and it's you know the nostalgia of of like you know the of the time before you know of the time when it was simple the time when it was easy the time you know all of those things and so they kind of they kind of do this cyclical idea and so i think to an extent, we're kind, we're in that now, you know, especially with the vinyl revolution, the way that it is, um, selling more records now than there, you know, than there have been since the last like thirty years. I hope cassettes don't come back. I don't want to go back to like sticking the pencil in and winding it or tightening it. I don't want to go back to like trying to do that. Fast forward, <laughs> rewind. Like I remember because I because, you know, I, I was from a small town right. and um, everybody, you know, you drive through town and there was like a place where everybody hung out. And so you wanted to have the right song playing, you know, when you turned in, yeah. you wanted to have the cool song playing so that you were cool as you drove through. And then we would, you know, drive out and then go somewhere and you literally would stop in a parking lot fast forward rewind fast forward like get to the beginning and then you could drive through again so yeah I'm I'm all about the CD and being able to skip right to it or you know the mp3 and being able to go right to it rather than because there were always those songs that you never wanted to listen to so every time that song came on you fast forward it so I'm I'm okay if we don't go back to cassettes (laughs) albums I think are cool but I'm okay if we don't go back to cassettes. And I think so. that I think that things like that, you know, even even if we don't go back to cassettes, you know, um, that I think that that 
it kind of it gives a little homage to the artist, you know, because that it's a reminder of, hey, look, you created this, right. you know, and it's right. like, you know, even just a printout of all of the lyrics and all the just the album art and all of those things, you know, those are what like, kind of like are the essence of the artist, you know, it's like even right. just musicians, you know, it's like they they wrote these lyrics and there's an intention behind them and there's an um, a reason that they did it and they'll you know and that's why they have like the liner notes and all of these things and they're so cool because you know they they kind of make you closer to the artist you know yeah, it's like, it kind of it kind of freezes a moment in time of like right. okay this is this is what was happening then either for that artist or for the country or for the world like in that period of time you know when you listen to songs from like the 60s are you listening to songs from the vietnam era are you listening for songs from you know the 80s are you li- like um and then you you know and then you have the angst of the 90s like mm-hmm. it's it's you know it's so interesting like that kind of freezes time or represents time so um i do wonder what you know what there will be when they look back and anytime i see something about art being destroyed like i still you know the fact that like you know know. alexandria or rome like you know things that we know that we lost huge chunks of culture you look at a lot of the destruction that's gone on through terrorism um in the middle east and different places even just in world war ii with hitler and yes yes you know all of the the art thievery you look at at the the terrorism that you know has bombed things and destroyed things Mm -hmm. in in much of the middle east you look at like you know the the fire in brazil that just happened in the museum there and, and those, you know, things are lost. They're just lost to us. Gone so, forever. Yeah. Yeah. So it's um, it will be interesting to see what you know what survives like from this digital age that we're in, where I it's so much easier to save things or or to preserve things in a way, but also I think more fleeting that we create things to be preserved. So well, I think that that's kind of a responsibility of art historians like myself and artists and people who love art, you know, to it's almost their responsibility to make sure that that continues and to make sure that whatever that they're creating gets kind of cemented into, if not, you know, if not in history into their life, you know, and one of my professors, one of my favorite things that he said um, was never be a collector of your own art, you know, right. share it. Yeah. Share give it, it away. Yes. Who cares yes. if you get money for it or whatever, but get it out there so that other right. people can see it. One of the most famous artists, you know, Vermeer was a collector of his own art and he, he had tons, thousands of canvases stuck inside of his studio and didn't share them, didn't give them away, nothing. Um, until he died and then they were cleaning it out and they were like, oh my God, look at all of this. Well, and I think when you look at like one of the, one of the beauties of art or one of the values of art is that every person that reads a book, that listens to a song, that looks at a painting, that, you know, sits in the audience of a play, mm-hmm. takes something different away from it. Yes. Um, you know, based on their own life experiences, based on their own opinions, based on their own, um, you know, what appeals to them or what pleases them or what, you know, what, what speaks to them, every single person takes something different from it. And so I think that when it's shared, then that, that experience grows. You know, it's not just what was created, it's then what was created plus how it was experienced. Like I, I saw a quote one time um, and I, I, 
I wish that I had like printed it out because I never can remember it exactly as it was. But it basically was saying like with writing that the story begins with the author, but the story ends with the reader because the reader then takes the story that the author created. And I think that, you know, applies the same with music. It applies the same with, you know, paintings or with whatever that the artist begins it. But then as each person experiences it, it, you know, it changes and it morphs and it becomes that person's. And I, I think that's one of the saddest things about art theft um, mm. is like, I know you and I talked about, there was a recent headline about a painting that had been stolen from a museum. Yes. And this couple, suburban couple, you know, who I think they had both been teachers in the New York public school system and had retired. And um, after they died, their nephew basically liquidated their estate, got rid of everything. And um, a, an antique shop or, you know, a state shop came and bought everything. And several people came in the shop and told them that they that they thought this painting was like the real deal. And I don't I don't remember the artist. Do you remember the artist? Uh, Kandinsky. Can, yes. And we and and so they had it hanging on the wall behind their bedroom door. Yeah. And um, the man, even later in life, he wrote a short story and, and published it in a collection of short stories about um, a a grandmother and granddaughter who stole a priceless emerald and brought it home and and that, you know, only two sets of eyes could see this emerald. And I think that's one of the saddest things about art Mm -hmm. art theft is not only obviously the loss of money because these paintings can be millions of dollars and then, you know, they disappear um, into black market or they disappear to be hung in someone's basement. But then you're robbing everyone else of of the opportunity to experience it. So. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it's like that's it's so unbelievably rampant, you know, and I I pay attention to all these different message boards and art conservation and all of these things because it's so common. It's such a common thing to hear that something else got stolen and it's heartbreaking, you know, because of things like that, you know, and you're just like, what, like, what's the purpose of it just sitting in your bedroom door on the back of your door right, right. for nothing? You know, it's like even if like even if it was in your living room, then okay, anybody who came over to your house could see it. But hidden away like that, it's just, it's, I don't know. Well, and it's, and it surprises me that like in this day and time, and obviously the painting that we're talking about that was, you know, decades ago, but in this day and time of technology, the fact that people can still pull this off is like something out of a movie plot. Like, do you remember yeah. there was a Pierce Brosnan and Rene Russo um, had a movie about an art thief. And like, you look at like it, it some of these schemes that you read mm-hmm. about s- seem like something that's an elaborate, movie plot but then there's also some that are just so simple like um the mona lisa was taken by a janitor who mm-hmm. worked at the louvre and he had fallen in love with her and he like took her and you know had her rolled up under his bed or something right. so like um i i don't know like these stories are are fascinating so i guess as long as as long as people are artists at heart they will continue to produce art and as long as people produce art people will continue to enjoy it and as long as people continue to enjoy it people will continue to steal it and i guess right. that's it's always going to be a commodity yes. as long as there's a price on its head you know yes. it's like there, that it's so and i and that you know it kind of reverts back to the you know there's no way it could ever go away you know because of one all of the art that's you know throughout history now and then anything that's being created now uh, up until, you know, I don't know, 30, 27, you know, it's like that's going to be the most insane amount of things that are just in a history of people. Right. You know, of course, assuming right. we live that long. But, you know, it's like there, you know, it's like there's so much that 
goes unnoticed, you know, and for art theft to actually even happen, you know, there has to be a value there. There yes. has to be a want, a desire, a black market. There has to be something, you know, one of the, one of the most gut-wrenching things was during all of the civil wars in the Middle East of right after, I think right after Afghanistan and Iraq and all of that, while that was all going on, you know, like, um, Egypt had their civil war and Libya had their civil war and all this. And it's like, but all of the museums got looted and the main goal of every single person who worked there was to save the art, save right, as much as right. you can, you know, and the same thing with ISIS, you know, they destroyed Palmyra, the oldest city in the entire world. They destroyed it because it was, you know, sacrilege against whatever they believed in. And it's like, but it's not that they're just erasing history they're i mean they're erasing their own history they're right. stealing in some from ways themselves. they're erasing culture yeah they're right. erasing culture and yeah. it's like and those you know those things are not few and far between and right. those things are far more common you know well i think that um we can agree that art is important um art is part of you know the heart of every culture i think and I really appreciate you coming and discussing with me today. I'm sure we could just keep going on and I on. I could and go on. forever. <laughs> yes, it's a very, very interesting topic for us both. So um, thank you so much for your time. You're and very thank welcome. you so much for contributing your knowledge. If any of you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at anopendialogue1 at gmail.com. That's anopendialogue, the number one, at gmail.com. I'd like to give a shout out to Tadra. Hi, Tadra. She is just coming in back in from out of town. Um, please subscribe to our podcast if you would like to get them delivered to you directly so that you know as soon as they come out. And um, thank you all for listening. Caitlin, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.